and there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 212 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. How is everyone this week? Good. We had a good week. Really good. Yeah. Tired, yeah. but good. An exciting yeah. Wednesday, maybe? Indeed. Yeah. I would say that was that was amongst the, the higher points of the week, yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to, hello, new listeners, I hope. You're probably <laughs> here for Travis McElroy, our guest in this episode. He'll be in a later part of the episode. If you really want to skip there, there are chapter markers in the podcast. But first, why not hit that five-star button on Apple Podcasts? Smash that bell like and whatever the thing is that you say, yeah. (laughs) It's not YouTube, Brian. (laughs) I know, I'm I'm making a joke of it. Cute. I didn't even understand the words Brian said just now. Um... We are happy to have you if you are here for the first time. We talk about comics and every now and then get guests on. Right now we're digging into some graphic novels we haven't gotten to before. We normally talk about weekly stuff. That's all you need to know. That's probably more than you need. You have probably already skipped to Travis and that's fine. Oh, <laughs> We're still there. You can't get rid of us. <laughs> that's right. Lord knows people have tried. <laughs> it doesn't work. We are are excited to have a guest again for the first time in a while this week. We have Travis McElroy. One third of my brother, my brother, and me's McElroy brothers. One fourth of the Adventure Zone podcasts team. And one fifth of the Adventure Zone graphic novels team. Yeah. Indeed. How's that for some fractions? (laughs) That's right. We snuck math into this comics podcast. Ooh, thought you didn't have to do school anymore. (laughs) Yeah, you do. So... For the people who are not Adventure Zone fans, first, why aren't you? Second, <laughs> the others that are that are part of this uh, graphic novel that we're talking about, it's Clint McElroy, which is the father, uh, Griffin, Justin, and Travis McElroy, which are the brothers, and Carrie Peach, who is the artist and like did all the layouts and everything for the book. Yes. Books, plural. Yeah. That is Brian stealthily trying to sneak us into talking about this. Yes. Well done, Brian. Thank you. One day I'm going to do it. How are you going to react to that? I will also react for you by calling attention to your segue and thereby making it less good. (laughs) Yeah, that that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, We are, of course, talking about The Adventure Zone this week. The Adventure Zone is the rare graphic novel based on a podcast. Yeah, there's not many of those. No. I can think of... It, there are some Thrilling Adventure Hour comics, mm-hmm. and there's the Logan comic book adaptation of the Stitcher audio drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a lot of it. I yeah. think there's some Critical Role stuff yeah, out. Yeah, there are. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. true. Yeah. yeah, I have a few of those. So there's a few, but it is by far one of the more rare occurrences. 
Yes. Um, we are going to be talking about the first two volumes of The Adventure Zone. Here There Be Gerblins and Murder on the Rockport Limited. Uh, if you haven't listened to The Adventure Zone, this is based on that, so there may be spoilers for it here. Although probably nope, nothing nope. like D- major series long. There will be spoilers. There, oh, there's, there's going to be spoilers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So quickly stop and go spend a couple hours and listen to that whole podcast. And then come back. <laughs> a couple of 75 to 80 hours. Well, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I say that knowing, you know, to lead them in thinking they can spend a couple of hours. And after they listen to about three of them, they're not going to quit. So, you know. Well, that's also probably fair. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about the thing. Let's do it. So one of the things I really like about this, and you'll, you'll hear Travis mention it too, is... There's always a concern when you adapt one medium to another one that you either lose something or it comes across real differently. Um, and that being, you know, the Adventure Zone being an audio medium, you get tone of voice and timing and some of those things that you can't get in a printed medium. Um, and yet, so much of that feeling is still conveyed through art in this and i was kind of blown away by how well that works oh yeah carrie peach kills it yeah absolutely i was thinking last night about with the interview in this episode what i wanted to sit you know really focus in and talk about today and like the art is kind of the thing at this point right like we got into a lot of story and adapting and all of that with travis but and we talked about the art too i mean of course. But I do think it is kind of what at the end of the day was make or break for this actually working, right? Like Absolutely. the wrong art would have yes, made this feel really weird and out of out of line with kind of what the the podcast is, with what the original story is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't. It does not. <laughs> it works very well. Like so, so like the physicality of it, just the it is it is almost like a cartoon. It is almost like watching a Looney Tunes cartoon or something like that. Just in the physicality, energy of the thing. Yes, I would I would agree with that. Um, one of the other things that I love about this is, first of all, the artwork and the characterizations of them are are beautiful. Like they're they're wonderful, right? And yet. It doesn't change, like, going to events and seeing people cosplay these characters, right? It doesn't change people's idea and, like, think this is the only way these characters can be. Like, people have their own headcanons for these characters, and they're all correct, because, I like, I just love that whole feel about this. Yeah, like, it's very much a, this is one flavor of the adventure. Exactly, that was what I was trying to say. That's, thank you. So, real quick recap for the off chance that somebody is not familiar with the the Adventure Zone. Okay. It is a real play D&D podcast, which is really more story driven than like D&D rule set. Uh, about three, Trace Horny Boys, about three friends <laughs> who go on D&D quests. And there's this big, huge, beautiful, overarching story. Brian, go more into it, because you normally do the recaps. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, it 
it really does start out that we kind of in media res we get them going out on this first adventure right and and like they talk about it being their first adventure like you know the oh they're level one and then so there's (laughs) there's some very slight there's some i I will say it's pushing against the fourth wall not breaking it right yeah um and yeah so we get some some wonderful things where they're going out on this first adventure and they're learning as they go which is a very clever and like alternate mirror of the podcast where they started this podcast just playing this D&D session not knowing that it was going to be this huge thing and really I, there's no doubt that they I don't think they had an idea where it was going to go um starting off so it it, it developed into this beautiful story like you said this this where with several chapters that build to this overarching larger story um and each of these graphic novels kind of takes one of those chapters uh, so we so in this the first two graphic novels we get the first two uh they've announced the third one uh, it's coming out in two july months. Yeah. yeah uh and the, the third one is going to be um you know another the next chapter yeah. so pedals to um, the metal yeah <clears throat> so each of these, um, ca- I, I don't know how to say it other than like Alex phrased it well. It captures the flavor of what those particular arcs did in the podcast. But kind of knowing now what that whole story is, it doesn't attempt to like manipulate them, but it just changes kind of how they feel. And I'm trying to decide. I, I, it's it's to me it's like one of those Star Wars things where like you can't see it again without knowing what you know now, right? I'm wondering how these would read if you didn't know the story from the podcast. I think they would still work. I actually don't really have any doubt that they would still work. And I say that because the biggest the biggest I think convention of the podcast that is very much of that medium that is a part of this is the fact that not only are the main characters kind of learning how to adventure a la learning playing to d learning to play d and d as they go, but they are often in conversation with their d m um they are often in conversation with the floating head of Griffin peeking in through a panel within the panel talking to them. What's up? And maybe if there's anything that feels a little strange, not knowing the history of this, that might be it. But even then, I feel like that's a pretty easy idea to get into. And I think it's done well enough here that, like, once you've seen it happen once or twice, you just sort of roll with it. No pun intended. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I think it would work pretty well on its own. I can see, like, here and there, without getting into kind of the nitty gritty of it, like, I can definitely see a couple of places where there are little things that are either gags that Carrie Peach has snuck into panels or like side jokes that are in dialogue that maybe set up some goofs that come and become like running jokes just a little earlier so they feel more a part of the story as a whole. Um, The example I will give is there is definitely a scene where Merle jokes about taking some vines back to his bedroom. In one of these two volumes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, in general, I think it's still very, very accessible. Yeah, and, and it wasn't as much a question of 
could you know would it would it work or like would you enjoy it? it was more a question of how would it make you feel differently if you read these first or listen to the i mean at that point i say it almost has to because they are different media. maybe so maybe so but yeah. i think they're probably different in equitable ways i'll take that um like i mean okay the closest thing i can think of is something like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy right like how many different right that's forms true. has that existed in they're all kind of a different flavor but like they still they're get almost to, all good <laughs> yeah like they yeah. still sort of get you to the same place and really at that point like and i think maybe this will be over time the same thing for the adventure zone because there's also a cartoon in development like which one you got to first maybe informs kind of what your favorite flavor of it is could be could be but i don't think i don't see a lot of people being like well i love this version of it but that one stinks like they're all the graphic that. novels are all so in line with the podcast that there are still new things i think in it to enjoy and discover but i don't think i don't think it's that different of an experience one of the things that i think is a little different um, and, and I'll point this out, and it's something I was curious about how they were going to do, right, is um, Griffin, right? How do you include the DM in, you know, when you're telling the story that's the characters? Well, essentially, he almost becomes the editor's notes Yeah. for, right, mm -hmm. that would be in a traditional comic. Um, and he pops up with his face in the corner to give snarky comments or to remind you of something that happened somewhere else or in some cases to interact directly with the characters again kind of pushing that fourth wall thing yeah um, and like i like that i mean they do a couple of things with that convention too that are let's say while they were playing the game in the podcast a certain character merle merle used a spell that he did not have access to yet <laughs> Like, those moments have sort of become Griffin saying, you know you can't do this, and we're being like, but couldn't I if? Like, actually having sort of the table talk conversations. Right. And, like, I like that that is a way that sort of that has come in. Yes. Um, they also kind of sneakily introduced the idea at the beginning of the second volume that, like, when the guys are off duty, Griffin's not around. <laughs> Like, there's a point in volume two where, like, they go on a mission and he pops in again. They're like, oh, you again. Right. And, like, I kind of, like, he's he's also a little bit Mitzit Spitlick. Like, he's a little bit fourth dimensional god messing with them. Yeah, which, I mean, isn't that how everyone feels about their DM? <laughs> it's how I feel when I DM. <laughs> that too. Fifth dimensional. Mitzit Spitlick is fifth dimensional. He is. He is. I was, yeah, was going to let it go, but, you know, if you correct no. yourself, then. Yes. Jen? Yep. <laughs> so what was your what was your favorite part of these first two? Favorite part of these first two? Oh, it's it's definitely Wankins. Wankins will always be my favorite thing about the first part of this story. Yeah. Uh but I love it all. Excellent. Yeah. That that is a good example though. Like, there's some really smart editing around all the Jenkins goofing in the second volume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there is 100 percent stuff they do in the podcast that just does not translate to the book. And like, no, that they just let go. <laughs> like, 
And it's smart to let those things go. Yeah. I was going to mention that too, is, you know, we talked about the different mediums and it's one of the things that you you always see when, you know, you ask, well, why didn't they do this in the movie or the TV show or whatever? And sometimes it's things that just don't translate because you don't have the setup time or you don't have the the time to go into the history or whatever it is. Um, And they do that well here also. Yeah, some of the things that were, I think a lot, especially like some of just their their goofs that have nothing to do with the story, right? Obviously, you know those get dropped. For... Or things that are the the thing I'm thinking of specifically is, uh, the first time we meet Jenkins in the the podcast, like Griffin had had a cold or something, and the second time they recorded, he couldn't do the voice again. Mm-hmm. Right, because his yeah. his throat was better. Yeah, and there's this great moment in the podcast of like him trying to find the voice, and the others just giving him hell, acting as if it's in character, and Jenkins <laughs> is having some kind of existential crisis. Obviously, jokes about a character's voice don't work in a comic. Right, like, you right. can't do that, and it's great. I love it. It's one of the things I would point to and say like this is why you could consume both and enjoy both. Yeah, but like it's the smart choice for adapting, like letting go of those things that there's just not a way to make work and would break flow. It's it's the only thing you can do in a case like that. I will sit and talk about the act of adapting shit all day long, though. So don't <laughs> let me do that. Oh, oh, we know. <laughs> I know you know. Uh, what else do we want to talk about with this? Um, I, like I kind of we kind of talk. I don't want to go through the story because obviously it's it's here um and it's in the podcast i mean you have multiple ways to consume it at this point i think let's Um, let's hit just some quick highlights we've got two volumes sure um the first is here there be gerblins which in large part obviously is our introduction to everyone and the world and our beginning of the introduction to the world and sort of the larger organization that the main characters join up with um but is very much like a first D adventure style story yeah you come across some carts in the road and dead horses and dead people and oops what's up yeah it, it, it actually reminds... it actually starts with the quest from the starter pack yeah um, yes <laughs> and... with a with a um wonderfully um copyright non-infringing name change yes Yes, indeed (laughs) yeah there's a lot of creative editing on that uh so so you start with the whole quest and then it quickly evolves into after you get past that first cave really it it sort of evolves into griffin's story which which involves more of like it it still takes the characters but it, it involves a lot more fantasy drama yes yes Secret organizations, shadowy histories, forgotten pasts, things like that. Yeah. Um, the second arc of this is a murder mystery on a train that then turns into a heist. So good. With and the second volume of this, the second arc, is where we get one of the best characters in the entire series introduced. Angus MacDonald. Angus MacDonald. Indeed. And, like, adding Angus into, like, I dug volume one, but once Angus showed up in volume two, I'm like, yes, okay. Now, now, like, the harmony is there. Like, now this thing is tonally, like, 
layered in in the way that it was at this point in the in the original right like this is where sort of if if act if if volume one is where like things get set up volume two is where sort of everything comes together and i think it starts to feel like it is a whole thing like the layering the building is done and it's ready to move on to expanding and growing the story and i I think i've shared this analogy with other people when i've talked about the podcast it's very very much like season two of a tv show yeah like like it's got it's found out who it is and and what it wants to do and so it actually can start building and moving story in 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 a direction yeah yeah yep uh, but the, the the idea that you know you have this both a murder mystery on a train and a train heist simultaneously kind of at the same time is just beautiful yes Yes, I love it. Um, And it's one of the things I want to point out about these is each of these chapters in some ways are Mm self-contained. Yeah. They very much tell a a beginning, middle, and end of a story, of of a story arc, Um, and yet still advance or, you know, starting specifically with the second one, start to advance this overall plot. Yeah. Um, I, I... the entire framing device for the adventure is there are these seven mystical artifacts that need to be found and destroyed. So like each each arc of this is is the team dealing with finding one of those. Correct. Turns out the first one they they found the first one kind of by accident not knowing what it was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I I am very, very much looking forward to the next one of these. Like, I I can't express how enjoyable it is to see. I mean, clearly, I do this podcast. I'm a comic book nerd. I love comic books. I love graphic novels. To see this represented in this way so well, it it makes me very happy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and like, it is clear that, and we get into some of this in the interview, but it is. Clint, um, who is the father of the other yeah. three, if you if you aren't super familiar with the McElroys, it is Clint who is handling scripting out the adaptation, or plotting out the adaptation rather. Right. Um, and like he has a long history both of reading and loving comics, but also like working in comics, writing sometimes as a ghostwriter. Uh, even like writing comics it's clear like how much he knows about the form and loves Mm -hmm. the form because i think a lot of a lot of the initial decisions about how to get this on paper are coming from him and then the others are working from that and from the art and i'm guessing a lot of the idea of the the media translation he's probably helping with that a lot too yeah yeah that's like yeah, like like this won't work in a comic or yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um but I just wanna like I just wanted to point at him in particular as like the person doing the first round of getting it on paper. Because I think that that is e- so easily where this could go wrong. Oh, no question. Mm-hmm. No question. Um anything else before we cut over to the interview? Like I, I'll be honest, I'm just so anxious for people to hear the interview because yeah. I had so much fun and it's so good. Well, the truth is, it covers so much ground that, like, there's <laughs> it, a lot. It does. There's a lot we haven't hit on yet because we're Travis covers it way better than any of any of us could. 
clearly. Yeah, definitely. I will say, uh, uh, don't high five magical talking gauntlet. Well, duh. That goes right. That's that's number two behind. Don't read the book. I was mostly so. talking to Alex. Yeah. <laughs> I will read. So, the Alex, book. thank you. Don't very read much. the don't read the book. Don't high five the gauntlet. That's. We now have two rules for you. Okay, look. I will read the book. If anything, no. the gauntlet would get a fist bump, though. Okay. But right now... Well, especially now, We would right. probably just wave. <laughs> and air, air, air bump. That's it. I would wave to the gauntlet from a good six to ten feet away. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. Uh, magical distancing. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe fist bump it with a mage hand. That's about all you can do. Nope, not even going to risk that. Uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe cast Mage Hand and let Mage Hand do the wave. <laughs> there you go. Cute. Uh, all right. I say we go to the interview. I also say we go to the interview. Jen, do we have u- unanimity? We have a quorum. Wait. Is it a quorum if there's only three? I mean, when there's only three people in the whole population, then, like, two would be a quorum. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we want unanimity. We oh, want everybody okay. to vote. Yeah. I definitely want to go talk to Travis now. Thank you. Okay, good. Let's do that. Okay. We have a special guest this week. Welcome, Travis. Hi, it's me, Travis McElroy. How is everyone? Nobody's going to believe it. I swear to God. (laughs) Brian has spent... I'm not hard to get onto a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I will see again eventually. We're living proof. Indeed. We we just had to keep going. You guys had to keep me away. I just kept showing up, and you're like, no, you can't be on our podcast. Stop showing up. No. Finally, he wore us down. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I went out to get groceries and came back, and Travis was in my guest room. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd already started recording at that point. <laughs> like, Listen, okay. It was a little creepy, but honestly, I'm also impressed. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. You are here, in part, mostly, I imagine, to talk about the Adventure Zone graphic no, novels. That was how I... That was how I tricked your agent into tricking me into letting you come into my house. Now, what is the Adventure Zone exactly? <laughs> um, the Adventure Zone is a comedy D&D podcast by these three brothers and their dad. Ew, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I mean, despite all odds, it continues just chugging away and becoming a media empire. Ew. I think that's right. Gross. No, yeah, you're, you're right. And you're, I'm proud of it. This has been a goof up till now. It is a very good thing <laughs> that if people are not already listening to, they should be. They absolutely they should. Agreed, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, so it's a podcast, uh, me and my brothers and my dad. So uh, my older brother, Justin, my younger brother, Griffin, and my dad, Clint, uh, that we started doing, I think, in what, 2015? That sounds right. That sounds, nah, who knows? We've been doing for a while now, for several years. Um, and it began, uh, maybe it would have been 2014, because it started, um, our first episode was uh, because Justin was going on paternity leave uh, after the birth of his eldest daughter, Charlie. And we wanted some like fun content uh, because recording a bunch of My Brother, My Brother and Me's ahead of time. That's the other podcast I do with my brothers. Um was really difficult because uh, it's just draining. We can't prep it ahead of time. We have to like come up with bits in the moment. So it just gets exhausting. And so Griffin had wanted to do uh, a, a game of D and D for a while with us. At that point we were listening um, to 
uh, other actual play podcasts, namely uh, Acquisitions Incorporated that Penny Arcade uh, was doing with Wizards of the Coast. And so we were like, okay, great. Uh, Fifth edition has just come out. Um, There's a starter kit you can get that has everything you need right in there. We'll record like a one-off episode and it will be like a fun filler episode while we're on break. Uh, And then people really liked it and demanded that we kept doing it. And, you know, asking me to keep doing anything that I think is funny is I'm a sucker for that. I (laughs) I will just drive a bit right into the ground. Um, And so we started doing it, not really knowing exactly what the purpose of us doing it was. It started off very much as just like a vehicle for like jokes and goose and stuff. And then we started to realize like, huh, the audience is taking this more seriously than we are. People were doing cosplay and fan art and they had fan theories and stuff. And it was like our first time as like creating narrative anything. Um, And so we started to take it more seriously. And by the time the first series, Adventure Zone Balance, wrapped up, it was like a full-blown story that is still like one of like the most proud of anything I've ever done, except for maybe my children. Um, <laughs> and so then, uh, as we started to work on other series, a a a literary agent uh, named Charlie, Charlie Olson came to us and said, have you guys ever thought about doing like graphic novels based off of the Adventure Zone? And we were like, no, we have not thought of that. Uh, though admittedly, probably dad had, because growing <laughs> up, dad is a huge comic nerd. And dad uh, got us all into it. And like, I remember going with dad like once a week to like the two independent comic shops in Huntington, West Virginia, where I grew up, where he had like pull lists at both for some reason. <laughs> um, I don't know why. But then what he would do is he would uh, like, he would buy these like stacks of, ma- of, of comic books and then they would sit on the steps to our attic and like just keep piling up until eventually you can no longer reach the attic. And that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> and then just like one day he would sit down if it was like vacation or something and just read all of them. Um, and so he was like in love with comic books and still is, he has a massive collection. Um, and so as soon as Charlie brought that up, dad was like into it. And so we started talking about it. Um, and at first I was reluctant, um, because at that point my wife was maybe four or five months pregnant, uh, which would have meant Griffin's wife was like one month behind that. So like three or four months pregnant, Justin had, uh, uh, Charlie who at that point was like two years old. And we're like, I don't know how much we would be able to put into this. And dad was like, I'll do all the work. And we're like, sold. Uh, (laughs) So then we started working on it and we instantly realized that that did not work. Um, Because like, you know, the thing is, is when you look, I realized I've just been speaking uninterrupted for the last like 10 minutes, by the way. At any point, feel free to interrupt me. No, you're great. It's great background. And it's a lot of the, like the first question was going to be, how did you go from podcast to visual graphic novel medium? There we go. So we kind of realized very quickly that one person could not write the script, right? Because the thing is, is like Magnus sounds like me, has my sense of humor. 
Taco sounds like Justin, has Justin's suits humor. Like, Merle sounds like Dad has Dad. The world is like Griffin's brain. Like, all of these things. So what we started doing, the process became Dad would write the outline for it and write, like, the most, like, cookie-cutter script. Magnus saying, like, yes, let us enter the room or whatever. And then we'd go back through and I would, like, rewrite all of Magnus's lines of dialogue and, like, actions and stuff and Justin would do taco and Griffin would do NPCs and stuff and then after a while we all started rewriting everything um and yeah and then it was like the the more we did it it was the kind of thing of like Justin and I have talked about this many many times since then because now we're uh working book three is about to come out in July so (laughs) it's the kind of thing of like Justin and I cannot picture it until it is in like until it is drawn right so like we're reading a script with like the descriptions of the like what the panels will be and we're like okay and then like we'll see the actual like pencils the roughs of it and we're like oh okay cool now we have lots of notes um because we're the worst um (laughs) how much how much does seeing carrie peach's art of what has been entirely audio, what has been a podcast before, affect the way that you look at it on the page and affect what you want to say and do in putting together the graphic novel. Well, Harry to... is a genius uh, and incredibly talented and uh, loves the Adventure Zone. And I say that not to brag, but only because like when we were, when we started with Here There Be Gerblins, the first book, um, there were things where we were like looking at the script and looking at the outline and going, how, how, like, I don't think this moment will work. Right. Because like so much of this was in our delivery. So much was in like the tone of voice and all of this. I don't think it'll work. And Carrie's like, well, let me, let me try. And then she just like nailed facial expressions and like body language. And also just, she has an amazing sense of timing in like panel to panel on a page layout so that it's like a a joke can be sold on timing even though it's not audio and like that to me just blew me away so then as we have now worked on murder in the rockport limited pedals to the metal um we're able to like say like this moment will work we like i'm not worried about this and it also helps that she has this amazing ability because this was something we talked about so much when we were working on the first book is this is like a goofy dumb dumb podcast thing that we did that's mostly jokes but more and more as the story goes on there are more and more serious dramatic moments that happen and we are like how do we balance that no pun intended how do we balance that in the art style so we can have these goofy facial expressions and make jokes about you know kenny chesney and stuff like that and then also make it emotionally impactful when someone dies right and it's like yeah and and carrie nails it there's some Right at the end of the first book, and this is, I guess, a little bit of spoiler, but I won't say what it is, but there's, like, a full-page panel that's just a gorgeous reveal that just, like, easily was, like, my favorite, well, no, my favorite panel in the whole first book was the the uh, 
I guess four of them, because Killian was there too, at the bottom of the well in Haverdale. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, she just has this ability to kind of marry the the comedy of it all, but still keep it grounded in such a way that I think the characters, like, that it's still relatable, that people still feel kind of connected and invested in it. Does that does that challenge of bringing in some of the weight, some of the seriousness or emotional core that developed over time, does the challenge of bringing that in earlier than it came in as you guys originally developed the story affect the way that you approach building each novel? Like, is uh, that uh, are you trying uh, to lay that earlier? Well, so it actually counterintuitively we had the opposite problem, which is what we wanted to do. Because when we started on the first novel, actually, I think I said we had finished it, but we had not finished it. When we started on the first graphic novel, we were in the middle of uh, Stolen Century, the sixth of seven arcs of balance. So what we wanted to do was inject the the kind of... I, I wish there's a better word for it because it's not drama, it's not seriousness, but maybe gravity is a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Because by the time we got to, even by the time we finished Murder on the Rockport Limited, like we knew what kind of show we were making. And so when we went back and restarted with the graphic novels doing Here There Be Goblins, we wanted to inject more of that that gravity and more of that you know grounded nature. But we had to be careful because if you don't, spend the time getting to see them as goofballs their kind of journey to becoming these more serious grounded like maybe there are things that matter maybe there are serious stakes maybe we should take this seriously it wouldn't have the same impact they would you can't you know you can't have the cop always be three days away from retirement (laughs) (laughs) point they have to be a loose cannon so that by the time they're like, now they're the sergeant. Like now it's like, don't you remember Sarge? And you used to <laughs> like, so I think it was like the opposite was true of like, we wanted to make them a little more serious. And we were like, no, we have to stay true to the story. So how do we ground it in a way while still keeping like the goofiness and everything? And I think that was a lot like we like a year and a half, I think, was spent in development for that, maybe longer, just like figuring out the first book. So I was going to ask, is it getting easier as you go on? Because the first one's like, uh, the, the first part of Balance really was kind of a goof. You guys just started playing, and it was it's very clear if you listen through it, through them all, that it, it was very organic in how it developed into an actual storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So is it becoming easier as you go further into the graphic novels to to adapt to them? Pedals and Metal was is a was a joy, a joy to adapt uh, because like by that point, all of the like characters we squared away. And in fact, like there was stuff like we fell into a lot of like bad tropes. Not uh, I don't know. unpleasant tropes I don't like lazy bad stuff that like are the kind of things that you should only do if it's like you know what I can show you like a 50 slide PowerPoint presentation on why without this thing the whole story doesn't work otherwise you're just doing it 
um, like if you cannot justify the choice. So maybe that's the way to put it. Completely unjustified things that maybe we weren't even aware of the time we're trips. In fact, I know we weren't aware of it. And so like, for example, Hurley and Sloan is probably the most notable. They're, they're kind of arc in, in the story. So we got another pass at that, which was so good. And like, we talked to so many people about it and like, we really like spent time with it and really like it. So like stuff like that was really fun to do. And plus pedals to the metal is so active. Uh, like the, the, entire i think like second half of it is this like murder death race um like car chase thing that was like a blast to record and a blast to to adapt and like carrie's designs for all the cars are a joy and all that stuff so so much fun so how much of the the, those kinds of things those those bigger plot pieces and character callbacks and some of the things that as you get further through the story happen more and more how much of that was a group effort and how much of that was 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 griffin just kind of surprising you guys do you mean like in the podcast itself or yes. in yeah so in the podcast itself man it's it's that is such a good question and the answer is amorphous okay because the thing is is like the the it got to a point where maybe if I had like been videotaping from every angle and recording these conversations and stuff, then maybe we would have been able to say like, ah, you can see in this moment, this decision was made. But my, my recollection of it is that it was very like hive mindy that like a moment would come up and it would just be like, Oh yeah, that like, that's where that was always headed. Like there, I, I don't. Okay. Spoilers ahead for anyone who's not listening to the podcast. You can skip ahead like probably a minute. But like the culmination of like from Suffering Game to Magnus and the Mannequin Body to the Raging Flaming Poisoning Sword of Doom to the fight Magnus has like with, like standing on top of the Void Fish Aquarium like all of that was, there was never a point where it's like, and this is what we're going to do. So make sure to pick this thing up and know to do, like, it was all just like, of course, that's what had that. Yeah, of course, that's where that was always go. Of course, because like, it, it just was like, everything at that point was like, this is where we, whether we knew it at the time or not, this is where we are, have always been headed with this. Um, that said, I mean, Griffin, as the architect of it, was able to, like, it's one of my favorite things in story and song, when he's just kind of going through and doing what I think any fan of anything always wants in the final season, which is like, and have you been wondering what this character's been up to? Yep. They're <laughs> doing this. And I'm like, yes, yes, give it to me. <laughs> That's all I ever want. Not, like, Supernatural's been doing that. Not to talk about Supernatural, oh. but but yeah. we could for like hours. Yeah. Yes. Supernatural's <laughs> been doing that in their 15th season where they're just like, sometimes in an episode, they're like three characters yep. from past seasons yeah. pop up. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Oh, oh, I want to have a moment and spoil something, but oh, oh, Alex, bleep this out. Yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> what? Yes. Right. <sighs> so good. So what is your favorite moment from either the the adaptations or the podcast like little big whatever this moment that just like caught you like oh shit really wow and is it the same for both no oh, yeah. no completely different completely different um now i i will also say 
we have not gotten to some of my favorite moments in the in the uh, graphic novels yet. So this may be different, um, but in the <laughs> in the graphic novel, it's really dumb. But it's just a little thing that's like a combination of this could have only happened in the graphic novel, and it was also like Dad and Carrie. Dad is still like the lead adapter on it, um, and like. So there's this panel in the first book that shows that like, Gundren's like uh like path of discre- destruction, but they did it like a family circus, like dotted lines. <laughs> yes, yes. yeah. It's just so great to me that like that is so funny, like and it's something we couldn't have done in the podcast. Now in the podcast, uh I think for me, man, it's hard. The problem is is all of them are my own moments, but um I think the one, and it's a little bit cheap to say this because a lot of listeners references too, so it's become a very beloved moment, but Arms Outstretched is the shorthand title for a moment where like Magnus's soul is being sucked into the astral plane and without any like table discussion, Merle and Taco, Justin and Dad like did actions that like pulls Magnus's soul back. And it became trapped in a mannequin. And I I got to deliver the line, I'll be having my body back, you undead fuck, which is still <laughs> one of the coolest lines. And like, it was just in a moment that I was just like, I got to do that, like, you know, ash and evil dead kind of like, this is my boomstick kind of moment that I just mm-hmm. love. And it was all just like, when we finished that episode, that it was just like, Okay, cool. Well, that happened. And Griffin had written like pages of what was going to happen when Magnus's soul was trapped in the astral plane. And we just, <laughs> get, we just burned all of that for this really, really cool moment. Did he ever get like super frustrated when you guys would do something like that and just like, okay, well, I guess this is torn up. Never well, so mind. That's the thing, man. I'm going through that now, DMing, uh, DMing graduation of like, the the weird thing is what I have experienced now, and maybe it's was different for Griffin at the time, but when someone says, like, for example, we were just recording an episode where I had scripted out two full episodes and like 10 minutes into the first episode, Justin was like, I'm going to do this. And it was something I had planned for the end of the second episode. I was like, <laughs> uh, and so my first inclination was, I'm going to explain why he can't do that yet. But instead, I was just like, okay, yep, yep, you do it. <laughs> and like, it was terrifying, you know? It's, it, it reminded me a lot. This is an old person thing to say. But it reminded me a lot now of the difference. Kids these days won't understand. <laughs> but there was a time where if you were out on the road and you took a wrong turn, you did not have a thing on your phone that was just like, oh, course correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep going. You were just like, I remember once, the first time I ever uh, like drove into New York City by myself, and I was 23, and I had like printed out MapQuest directions, and I missed a pretty important turn and instead of heading towards Queens, I was in the middle of downtown Manhattan. 
Oh, I've done that. Ooh. I've done that exact thing. It's a very easy <laughs> thing to make. And I had no idea where I was or how to get anywhere. And so I called my dad, who was back home in Huntington. And like, he like, as, as if he was Oracle, hopped on the computer and was trying to like, look up where I was based <laughs> off of like, I'm saying like, uh, I'm at the corner of this and this. And he was like, uh, okay, hold on. And like, I'm screaming at him. And he eventually started giving me directions like none of that makes sense and he read back like the address that he had put in i was like no i'm 40 second west what are you doing and then like i saw like a sign for us just to go and i just like hung up on it <laughs> and then i called it back like 10 minutes later like i love you so much i'm so sorry i was terrified and I, it's kind of that feeling of like i just have to trust not just in my players or whatever but in myself that like if i tear up that page of notes that we'll get back to some road I know, we'll get back onto some kind of intersection. And that was a thing I never would have thought would be the issue, right? Because I would have thought that the issue was like, you're trying to break the game by like saying you're going to set fire to the door instead of solving the puzzle I I had laid out in the, and because like that, yeah, cool. I can roll with that. You break the door. It, you're going to have to pay for it or whatever. But this that kind of thing where it's just like i have circumvented the path of the narrative because you think the way you think but i think the way i think and i saw a different solution to the puzzle than you did and it's like oh uh okay cool let's roll with that uh and it's terrifying it's absolutely terrifying one of the things and i also will say i'm like 15 episodes in and I am just now starting to get a loose handle on how to do it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's a it's a very good not only because it's kind of become almost in a lot of ways more narrative than than like a just a play you know play through D and D type podcast. Yeah, but it very much in some ways even more so highlights those decisions that happen in D and D because of exactly what you were just talking about, like. You don't. You can have your ideas about what's going to happen as a, as a DM or whatever, but you don't know what's how they're going to respond to that. So you can't plan it out. And that's that. That for us has been a really tricky thing to find because um, we we kind of we realized very early on, even back in Balance, like we are not really a full blown actual play podcast. Right. Like you, if you want. Uh, be like the rest of the internet and compare Critical Role to the Adventure Zone. And you, <laughs> but like Critical Role will teach you how to play yep. role-playing games well. They are also, don't get me wrong, amazing storytellers. Mm -hmm. I am not at all. I love them and I have learned a lot from being friends with them and playing with Matt Mercer and stuff. And so I am not bad-mouthing them at all. They just actually know how to play like Dungeons and Dragons and other RPGs. So they like play correctly. Whereas our focus has always been on storytelling and fun. So like, for example, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, it's like, we've never really, really worried about spell components or casting time. Like that's the thing. I was like, there will be these like wicked awesome spells, but technically it takes 10 minutes to cast them and so you can't just say like i cast this um but the thing is is like in a story i i think it is like narratively stunting 
to be like, okay, now let's wait here for 15 minutes in story time for you to cast detect magic. Like, just do it. And like, oh, you want to cast a spell, but you don't have enough maple leaves or whatever. Like that, <laughs> that wasn't as interesting to us as like, ju- we're just going to tell the story. Well, but the beautiful things that I highlight is neither of those approaches are wrong. I mean, right. playing games is however you want to play it. And that's what's, yeah. I, I've, I've gotten the chance now to like play with like the actual like authors and architects of like some of the new modules of, of Dungeons and Dragons and like gotten to like be DM'd by Chris Perkins and like go hang out at, you know, with the Wizards of the Coast people. And like they, they have all said the same thing when I've said like, yeah, there are people who get honest because we like, we don't play it right. And they all said like the first rule listed in the, in the player's handbook is like the DM is right. Yep. And so, like, they, they are big proponents of, like, if a DM decides to disregard this aspect of the game or this aspect of the game or, like, completely fudge this thing, like, okay, that's the game. They, they're, the, the only rule in D&D is that you should enjoy playing D&D. Yep. And if you, as a, this is, I, I've now, like, taught classes on, like, playing D&D as a professional. And the thing is, is, like, I think that the only determination on whether you are a good DM or not Outside of, like, if you are making a podcast where people are following the story. But if you're just, like, playing at home with people, I think the only thing that determines if you're doing a good job is if your players are having fun. Because, like, the story could go completely off the rails or, you know, they they could completely break the game of Dungeons & Dragons by, like, min-maxing a character or, like, I don't know, making decisions that no person would actually make when faced with that, you know, opportunity. But if they're having fun, then the game is going well. Yeah. I think the best sign of a good DM is like their ability to either say yes or say no creatively. Right. It's it's yes and or no but. It's like you have to either like take the thing they just said and add information to it or say no to the thing they just said but see within it what it is they want to do that you can do. Yeah. Like if, if they like want to immediately kill the sheriff when the sheriff walks up and you're like, that is going to make the rest of the story bad. Then maybe they attempt to attack the sheriff. The sheriff counters the blow. And now things are very tense and you know, like that kind of thing. It, and it's a tricky balance to find, right? Because it's so easy to be like, no, you can't kill the sheriff, Derek. Like, <laughs> like, you can't burn fun. down the inn. It's where you get all your tasks. Right, God, right. Derek, Are they come on. Or is it like, no, right? So it's tough. It's very, and here's the thing. I'm not sitting here saying, and I've mastered it. Like I am just at the beginning of figuring it out. And the thing is, is, in the past, whenever I've talked about like how to be a good DM, even though before graduation I had DM'd some things and I've run games for people a lot, uh, but only a couple of times doing Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons, what I was really always talking about was as a player, what I wanted my DM to be. Right? I had a lot of experience as a player. I had a lot of experience as like in a D and D session in a group, and so I still feel that I'm very confident to speak to how to be a good DM. But I'm only now just realizing like that there's still, I still have a lot left to learn on how to 
actionably like if someone gave me like specifics of me being like uh i don't know um and so i'm still kind of figuring it out a lot of it um and and i'm i'm having a lot of fun learning (laughs) so you talked a little bit about we talked about about that kind of unsure you know how how things would respond so i know at the end of balance it was a very big concern of you guys that you weren't sure what was going to happen next yeah how uh, how did that process go of you guys finding amnesty and then obviously after that graduation and how big of a relief was it that it was successful and accepted by (laughs) well i mean you know it's oh that's it's a nuanced and layered question because when when we finished as we were heading up to the end of balance we had so many conversations about it and like aside from some early discussions i think we all pretty much knew that the right thing to do was to finish balance that we had worked to a very good finale and then saying like and now what are merlin magnet like was really undercutting it anything anything that we did back there and in fact like that was something we ran into because we kept doing live shows Mm -hmm. and even when we started doing amnesty we still were doing live shows in the balance universe and what we reached the realization we came to was like every time we dipped back into it we kind of felt like we were cheapening it a little bit that we were saying like that we were like trotting them out or and or more to the point that when we did it it was really hard to establish stakes because we finished it so we couldn't be like maybe they'll die maybe this character you love will get hurt like we couldn't do that because it was dumb uh it was done excuse me and so it always (laughs) um but it always became like a whimsical experience which was very fun for a live show but like just didn't have the same resonance um and so we much like ending a long-term relationship um i don't know that we were ready to jump in to something new right as well we shouldn't i mean that's the thing if you think about it it is bonkers to me the idea of like if we had so we did 69 nice episodes of the adventure zone balance if we had come out the next day and said, now that that's done, we're about to do another 69 episodes of another part. Like, I think that that is a long called shot yeah. that we would not be ready for because it's, it's very different. I think about that. And I've talked about this with some of my author friends. Oh, hi, baby dots in the room. Oh, um, that when you publish a book, right. By the time someone reads, by the time the public reads the book, the book is done. Right. You knew you got to the end. You said, this is a good book and you put it out. Whereas the way we were doing this very serialized storytelling is like, we, like, we could not on the first episode when people are hearing the first episode, know how good the ending was going to be. So there's a very real chance, you know, you get halfway through telling a story this way and you're like, this sucks. (laughs) Uh, i I think that the we did these kind of mini series with uh adventures on commitment adventures on amnesty and adventures on dust where we were like let's see how we feel in in these worlds 
and uh, they were a lot of fun to do. And I think commitment was kind of the stickiest one, right? Because it came right after we finished balance. And just like coming out of a, a committed relationship, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> keep doing that. But it's because we use words like balance and dust. It's just what, like words you hear a lot. Yeah, um, They're unavoidable. Yeah. Is that we immediately wanted to know everything about the characters we were playing. Right. Because like we finished balance, we knew everything about Magnus and Merlin Taco. And so when we started commit, we were like, okay, here's, you know, here's uh, Nadia and here's how tall she is and here's what she likes and here's her dad's name and here's what she's afraid of. And like, we didn't really leave room for people to get to know these characters. And like, Amnesty, oh, so I'll talk about Dust first. And then Dust, like, I loved doing Dust. I'm still very proud of it. But the truth is, is like, as far as storytelling goes, I realized very quickly, like, what I have written, what I've conceptualized is a miniseries. Like, I did not know what the rest of that would be. Like, I didn't, I, I still don't. I can only think of it in terms of like, more like a movie series, right? Of Like, this is I'm the first movie and here's the second movie and here's the third. Not in terms of like, yes, I see what a weekly TV show of this would be. Like, I, I, I didn't conceptualize it that way. And so it just was not the right choice to continue on. And the amnesty was like, okay, we're all having fun doing this. We all like our characters. We see what this world is. Griffin knows what the story is. And also at that point, it was a lot easier for us to be comfortable with the idea of like Griffin's gonna lead and we will play <laughs> characters. Um, and so then we did that for a while and I love Amnesty. I love uh, my character, Aubrey Little, so very, very much. All my characters. I love all my characters. They're all my children. Uh, I mean, Magnus is my favorite only because I've spent so much time with him. I love him very much. Anyways, um, and so as as Amnesty was nearing completion, I had had this idea, uh, and my original concept was a lot more like dark, dark, dark comedy. And it was going to be a parody of Harry Potter uh, where kids just died all the time. <laughs> it was like, kind of like combining the idea of like Harry Potter and red shirts. Where it's just like by the time you got to your final year, the the class size was down from like sixty to like four kids. <laughs> um, and so we went out to LA to film Tiny Heist with Dimension Twenty, and with uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan was the um, was the DM for that, and it was such a blast. But that was like I think where we were like we miss Dungeons and Dragons. We miss playing this. Because up till now, we've been doing Amnesty was Monster of the Week, mm -hmm. Commitment was Fate, and uh, Dust was Urban Shadows. And I, we were like, you know what? We miss Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to play Dungeons and Dragons again. And I said, well, I have this idea. And I pitched it to them. And Justin was like, I don't know that I'm comfortable with us killing that many kids. <laughs> 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 We're all dads now. We have to be responsible. We're all dads. Can't kill kids. That's right. And so we sat at dinner one night there for like two and a half hours workshopping it together. And so then uh, that was like at that point, I'd already been kind of thinking about it for like three months. And so then I put like another 
let's see, so that would have been May, June, July, August, September, October. So another five months into it before we launched it. Um, and yeah, and so the reason I say it's a nuanced question is like, the thing about it is they all, all of them have been received in different ways than balance. Balance, uh, you know, when we all started, and I mean the audience too, like none of us knew what it was. Um, and we kind of found our footing as we went. And then with these new shows, I think it's a weird, a weird thing that I cannot think of another example of it in like a different form of media. It would be like, uh, let's see, what like if The Good Place, right, finished that story and then they're like, and now we're going to do Good Good Place, colon, revival. And it's different characters and it's a different setting and it's a different story altogether, but it's the same people working on it. It's like, what? It would be like, I think the closest you come is if you look across, oh, and now I'm, I, why can't I remember his name? The guy who created the American office and Parks and Rec, uh, Michael Schur. Michael Schur, yeah. He's like, if you look across his shows, uh, uh, specifically like Parks and Rec, The Office, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they all have a very similar vibe to them, right? They all have a very, like, workplace, uh, very character-driven, funny, but also grounded and you care about the characters. And it would be like if that was all one show that, like, the week after The Office finished, the next week in that time slot, your DVR recorded The Office, and you're just expected to like that as much as the office. Like, it, it, I think it is a tricky thing to expect an audience to cross, you know, threshold to threshold and be like, and now I will love this new thing in exactly as much and the same way. Um, <laughs> and amazingly, people have stuck with us in a way that I, I, I think that's what we are really worried about is like, what... And here's a diff- a different, better example, I think, would be if someone was reading a novel and they came to the end of the story and then there was another novel in that same novel and it was like, now just keep reading a different book. about different- <laughs> <laughs> I, finished, I finished the story and I, yeah, but there's more story. Oh, more with the characters I love? No! No. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's some fantasy series that pretty much do that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh absolutely. Right. But it, 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 I think the difference would be like, it's almost like if you had a like collection of stories and like an anthology, mm-hmm. but each anthology was like 500 pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was 500 pages, and you're like, I don't want to read it. I just finished a 500-page novel. I don't want to start a different novel just as... Anyways, we've been lucky enough that people have like kept giving it a chance but when we were finishing balance we did not know if that would be the case you know we didn't know if people would be like i love these characters and i love this story and this story is done so um, so i know you're i know it, it certainly hasn't happened or, or there's no doubt has the consideration been given of amnesty or graduation possibly becoming graphic novels so like we we talked about amnesty while it was going um and i think we really wanted to wait until it was done right like we didn't want to be writing we didn't want to we didn't want a games of thrones set 
<laughs> Thank you, by the way, for anyone who yes. cares at all about your products. Yes. Right. And so we we didn't want to be we didn't want to be fighting a battle on two fronts. And so we wanted to finish it. Um, and so there is always a possibility. But along those same lines, we also we have a lot of irons in the fire as far as different weird projects go. And the adventure zone, the graphic novel has become like a year-long job. It's a year-long process. And so I think that's another consideration of like, is this something someone else could write and still make a product that we really love? So the, to answer your actual question, the possibility is always there. Um, but it, it also is something that we are not trying to rush into anything. Once again, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> because we want to treat each of these things like like they deserve the time you know and they do uh and we never just want to say like ah this will make a buck let's do it (laughs) thank goodness yeah i've also got to guess that taking that approach probably makes actually making the thing a little less stressful on the you know original pass as podcast like if you're trying to dm and think about how will this look in the graphic novel and what if Peacock picks up this as a season of a cartoon as well? That that way lies madness, I would think. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's, and I don't think that that's I don't think that that is uh, uh, specific to us, uh, you know, or or this kind of storytelling because I think that there is that is something I think a lot of people run into. This is oh, yeah. a thing of like when anyone's creating, you know, a blog, it's like, is this going to become a book? I don't know. When someone is like writing a novel, does this have movie potential? When someone's creating a TV show, is this, is this toyetic enough that we're going to sell merch? Like all of these things, we're, we are lucky enough. And I think unique in that the, the core job that we do of the podcasting is something that while it takes up a lot of time and, and we do it year round, you know, multiple times a week, it also is like something we can do while working on the graphic novel, something we can do while adapting this or that or working on these things. And so we always have our core job going on in the background so that we've never had to make decisions based on need so we've never had to be like, well, this is a bad idea for an adaptation or a bad pitch for what this could be, but I do have to pay my bills and I do have to pay my rent. So I guess I have to say yes. We've always been able to say like, hey, this would ruin this thing for people. So no, like... And and I'm not saying that we are saints and that anybody who has said yes for a paycheck is a monster, but we we have just been lucky enough, I guess, to put it in different terms, to never have to make that decision. So always being able to make the decision of like, what is best going to serve our audience who really, really cares about this product? Um, and not just like, if I don't say yes to this, who knows when the next chance is going to come and all those things. Like, we made the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show in 2016. And at that point, we'd been doing uh, the My Brother, My Brother and Me podcast for six years. And we had had a lot of bad pitches come our way before then. And same with Adventure Zone, Balance. I mean, we're, we're working on adapting it now for Peacock. But like from 
early on in Adventure Zone, there were people who would like pitch us stuff that was, uh, sorry if any of you are listening, not great. Some people pitched stuff that was great. So now no one will know which one they were. <laughs> but like stuff that we were able to say like no to, because it just wasn't right. And, and like that is a luxury. That is an absolute luxury that not a lot of creators get. Oh, oh Travis, in their heart, they know. They know who they are. <laughs> oh. I'm running to some of them again in the world. They don't always know. Well, that's fair. <laughs> that is know. fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just have a quick question, like getting back to the books really quick. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, you guys are all so fucking good at creating these worlds, these like images of these worlds that, you know, you can really just close your eyes and imagine that you're there and it's amazing. And I love it. But how awesome is it when Carrie Peach like adds to that by putting little signs that say things like featured grains, pocket full of rye rolls, uh, bread pans, folly. And then there were buns. How much fun is that for you guys to get to go through and see all the little background things that she adds? I have been working with her now for, what, like four years, three years? Uh, I've been looking at these books. I have uh, book one and two sitting right next to me in my bookcase. I look at them all the time. I still find new jokes. (laughs) I still. She will occasionally tweet a thing, and I'm like, Damn it, that's good. Like, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things to do. And remember, we look at these panels. We look at roughs. We look at thumbnails. We look at pencils. We look at finals. We look at all these things going into it. It's a year-long process. I We're looking, you know, all the time, scrutinizing them. And then we'll go on book tour and get them up on, like, a giant projector behind us. And she'll point to some joke. And I'm like, Jesus. Like, I never would have <laughs> <laughs> It is just so beautifully jam-packed with all that stuff. It is great. And like like I said, it's passion for her. It's like mm-hmm. she she spends so much time working on these things. It's incredible. I wanted to touch real quickly on uh, Journey into Mystery and how you guys uh-huh. got involved in doing a Marvel book. Um. So once again, Charlie, uh, it worked. I can't remember the exact, but it was like, would you guys want to work with Marvel? And we were like, yes. Yes, we would. And then it was such, <laughs> such a weird, but also smooth process. Like I kept waiting. So basically they said, we're doing the War of the Realms. Mm-hmm. And we got all these different creators, all these different people working on all these different projects. Do you guys want to do one? We're like, yes, of course. And my nerdy dad was like, there used to be a series called Journey to Mystery. Um, what if we did that and we made it like, you know, kind of this like band of weird group of superheroes and like sounds great. So then we started like spitballing the four of us, what superheroes we would want to work with. And I immediately said Wonder Man because uh, he is my favorite Marvel superhero. Uh, I think he has the most ridiculous, not even arc. It's like series of arcs. Uh, just his different forms um i love him and i wanted a talking dog and those were the two things that i wanted so 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 you're responsible for us having the wonderful thor in 
Yes, very much. So. Well, so I wanted talking dog. My dad was like, "Oh, my baby just threw up all over me." Oh, and no. was like, "We'll do Thory because like he's the god dog, and we're gonna have Balder there. This will be great." I was like, "Okay, sounds good." You feel better? Okay. And then one of the weird ones was like, we were like, we would like to have Aunt May. We were gonna have Aunt May. Marvel <laughs> came back and was like, "You can't have Aunt May. She's taken." But do you want Spider Man? And we're like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, awesome, cool, cool. Yeah, we'll we'll take Miles around with Spider Man. Thank you. Um, and then Dad had the idea of like having all of once uh, like having superheroes that would that when Balder was like, oh, I get to work with Death Deathlock. I'm like, well, Deathlock it. Oh, oh, okay. And like Spider Man, <laughs> great. And it's like, well, it's Miles around. It's like. Okay. And, oh, Wonder Man. He's so powerful. Like, yeah, he's a pacifist. And so, like, <laughs> oh, sounds great. So, like, that was the whole conceit of that. Um, and then, like, we would, like, write the scripts for them. And much like we did for the passes on the balance novels, we would, like, each end up kind of being responsible for different, like, characters, kinds of tone of voice, right? And so, like, I ended up writing a lot of Wonder Man's dialogue and a lot of like Thor's dialogue because those are the characters I wanted. And like Justin did a lot of stuff for Miles Morales and like Dad took a lot of like Baldur's stuff and Griffin did a lot of like Deathlocket and Simon's, no, who's uh, Druid. Uh, and like it ended up being a very similar process and we'd send the scripts over to Marvel expecting like, you guy, you can't do that. And they were like, sounds great. I think they, like, the only notes we ever got from them were like, oh, you said, like, uh, this is like a shield, like, helicopter, but shield doesn't exist, so it will be this. And we're like, okay, but you're totally fine with, like, this joke and stuff? And like, yeah, that's fine. And we're like, great. <laughs> right? And, nice. like, it was so fun to work with. And, like, it was great. And then, like, they had us write, um, had us write, like, a one page for the 1001 uh marvel special thing mm -hmm. and so we did the oh now i can't remember what it, the kickers the what is the name of that group that are all football players kickers inc like, is that it kickers inc yes yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. uh and so we each took different turns like writing what the pitch of the movie that they were pitching would be um it's fun man it's it's the kind of thing of like it's it's weird because justin and i still cannot think in terms of like comic book scripts where we're like looking at the page and until we can see the art, we just don't know what it looks like. And dad just thinks in comic book scripts. Dad's been like a comic book author for a long time. And so he's just so much better at it than we are. <laughs> don't tell him I said that. Your secret is safe with us. Thank you. Well, um, I think we are getting the signal from our producer, by which I mean your daughter. Yeah, baby die. That it is about that time. Um, is there anything else? Obviously, where can people pre-order? Uh, uh, yes. Go book to theadventurezonecomic.com. All one word, theadventurezonecomic.com. You can pre-order book three there. It's coming out in July. And I'm not just saying this because I'm pushing it. I really do mean this. It is a blast. It is beautiful. It is fun. Uh, like the pacing of it is incredible. I'm really, really proud of it. And I think people are going to like it. I'm super excited Me to too. see, especially the race. 
yeah, it's so good. Yep. Oh, the action of it is so good. Uh, anything else? Anything else, Jenner Brian, that you wanna? Oh, I was just gonna say. I was even listen to the Adventure Zone. It's a very good podcast. Yeah, it it's is. a very good. Yes, movie. that too. Um, and my brother, my brother, and me, Schmanners. All good. These are all good shows. Everyone should listen to these shows. Woo! All the good. All right. Thank you, Travis, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for it having me. It has been a delight. It has indeed. Thank you. Same. And uh, hopefully our paths cross again someday. Just try to keep me away. Man, that was so good. I loved that so much. That was a lot of fun. That's weird. Suddenly Brian is wrapped in a comforter and smoking a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't be? So (laughs) Weirdly, putting off some Madeline Kahn vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Madeline Kahn. I love it. Ugh. Oh, sweet mystery of life, at last we've found you. <laughs> okay. Now that you've made it awkward. Well, that is his superpower. It he is. makes things weird. It is in my contract. I have to slash get to at least once per episode. <laughs> so that was fun. That was fun. Thank you again to Travis Thank for you. taking time to talk to us and talk about Volume 3. And if you have not pre-ordered it, go do it right now. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. We need all of these, please. Okay, thank you. Right. Uh, I I think that's it for the Adventure Zone stuff. Yes, and now, for everybody's favorite segment, the Longbox Book Report. No, no. Mm -mm. (laughs) Not this week. (laughs) Ryan, you failed us. I did. I did not. I did not do my homework. Well, here's what happened. I had scheduled out Wednesday to read Kit, to read the Longbox, and... Something came up and we had to do something That's else. That's so weird. I don't know what it was. Brian, Brian. <laughs> hey, Brian. Yes. I yeah. read Logan's Run. <laughs> yeah. I read it. You are reading this fucking book. I know. I'm going to read it. Here's the thing. Like, I, first of all, I will say mine is going to be worse. <laughs> Second of yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. It probably yeah, will be. Yeah. <laughs> but, Brian, yours is printed. With actual kiss blood in it. Kiss blood. Do you know how much I would not touch that book? Like, I don't ever want to touch that book. See, like, you guys I'm give scared. me a hard time for having for, for my willingness to read the book. Brian's comic is printed in blood. That's all I'm saying. You will be kiss cursed. Thank God I only have the digital version. Oh, okay. Acceptable acceptable but i'm still kind of scared to read that so you know somehow what? it will have like the the deceased fucking uh, code in it and code you in will it, be yes. a zombie I, a kiss zombie a kiss zombie <laughs> no that's god no. a ghost yeah. in the machine <laughs> my, my actual worst nightmare <laughs> i will be a kiss zombie oh oh okay yeah that's gonna happen so that's gonna happen next now week. um if memory serves, historically, our punishment for failing in this way no. is having a second book added to your your. It sure long fucking is. Debt. That's right. We're going to bring this back. We're bringing it all back, motherfucker. Oh, my God. And do you know how, like, I had a choice not to have this book, and I... And you chose it. God, I did. You chose it. You... I chose it blind, too. You chose it blind, it and you were like, no... Both of these books are too good. I shouldn't read them. <laughs> I know. That's exactly what happened. Now, 
You will be uh, pleased to know I do have a new option C. Nope. Uh-oh, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> we're going to the uh, we're going to the generator. You you don't yeah. want you don't want the hints about the new option C? I mean, sure, give me those hints. I'll take All right. Hint. This book features an ensemble cast from nineteen seventy six. Nope. The superstar <laughs> heroes of this book demonstrate what it really means to be true friends. Nope. The book features the ABCs of storytelling. Nope. <laughs> Although there is no monkeying around in this book, it does feature a good, good boy. Aww. Aww. No. Nope. Okay, he can't have that one. <laughs> All right. All right. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. We've got a couple couple of winners for this one. Uh, my options are Green Lantern Volume 3, number 20, which comes out. Uh, which was January 1992. Uh, apparently, is the first part of Regeneration. 90s Green Lantern. Story. How could that go wrong? Mm. Yeah, right. Every way. Well, the other one is May 1977, and it is the Superman Family, number 183. So it could be our third long box from 1977 in a row, is what you're telling me. Uh, it, it could well be and you know what i think it might have to be that one all right yeah if i remember right that's that was like a a big dollar comic uh the superman family were like big dollar comics that had like three or four stories in them so that should be fun that should be fun i can't wait for that extra long box Uh, that's right it'll be a giant sized long box <laughs> Long and wide. Oh, no. That not, not brand Ech. That's a different comic. We're not doing that. If you do it right, it's always brand Ech. Yeah, well, that's how the long box pretty much goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next week we will be reading Miss Marvel, uh, the Kamala Khan Miss Marvel, to be specific. The beginning of G Willow Wilson's run. Uh, artists issues. Issues 1 through 11. 11. Yep. Artists on that chunk of the run are Adrian Alfona and Jacob Wyatt. The colorist is Ian Herring. It was lettered by Joe Caramagna. Assistant editor, Devin Lewis. Editor, Sana Amanat. And senior editors, Stephen Wacker and Nick Lowe. And if you're paying attention, that means it's the same editorial team as Hawkeye. So it's worth reading. Yep, I'm looking forward to this. Anything else before we wrap it up? No, so yeah, if you if you haven't listened to the adventure zone, you really do owe it to yourself to go try it. Um pick up the these two there's only two, so like super easy to get. Um Here There Be Gerblins and Murder on the Rockport Limited. Uh volume three is coming out in July, Pedals to the Metal. So go get all of those, listen to the podcast, and then come join us here again next week. Right? You can pre-order Volume 3 at theadventurezonecomic.com. Excellent. Um, And, of course, check out uh, The Adventure Zone in podcast form. Its current arc is called Graduation. Travis is DMing that one. We talked about it in the interview. Uh, It is a lot of fun. And check out Travis's other podcasts, My Brother, My Brother and Me, and Schmanners. Both on all three on Maximum Fun. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. 
Uh, we would also like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can vis- visit us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. Get merch with our logo on it at bit.ly slash panelologymerch, capital P, capital M. Send us questions at bit.ly slash panelologymailbag. Again, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. I'm Brian. And I'm Travis. Go read some comics. Mm-hmm.